Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man that, well, I can't even look in his eyes without shaking, and I ain't faking. He brings home the turkey, and he brings home the bacon. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben Hamid. I also couldn't do an episode about a certain band without having Little Brother on the podcast. So you might remember him from episodes like our Killers episode, the Pearl Jam Vitalogy episode, and the Blue Album from a little band called Weezer. Welcome back to the podcast, Little Brother Dave Montgomery. Thanks, bro. Thanks for having me. And for this episode, we have a very special guest. He's a member of Red Wanting Blue. He's the man behind the kit. Please welcome to the podcast, Dean and shits. Did I say it right? Man, you butchered it. Did I? I butchered it, didn't I? Shuts. 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 You went the other way. I know. I should have written it down. That's all right. I get it all the time. We're just going to call you Dean from here on out. Sounds good. Is that okay? Good plan. Okay. All right. Uh, so premise of our podcast, fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each episode, I ask the all important question. So let's start with Little Brother. What t-shirt are you wearing? Wow. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I don't have a great answer, uh, musically speaking, because I, I literally just walked in from soccer practice. So I am wearing a Seattle Rain, which is now known as OL Rain uh, practice shirt. So, um, yeah, if I had a little more time, I would have changed. But I'm literally still in my soccer gear. You, you could have lied. I could have lied, but you know what? At the same time, Rivers Cuomo loves soccer, so I think he would appreciate my choice. Okay. All right. Wayne, how about you? I am wearing I am wearing a Police Synchronicity uh, album cover t-shirt. Wow. Okay. That is a new one. You have not worn that yet. I have never awesome. worn the same shirt twice. Yeah. All right. Dean, how about you? What t-shirt are you wearing? Well... I'm wearing uh, my Peppermint Productions uh, studio shirt. It's a local studio here in town, and I care about it a lot. So that's what I'm wearing. It's like a uniform around here. Okay. Nice. Perfect. Do you have the little gnome hanging around as well? Oh, wow. No, you know what? I gave my gnome up to Gary, who's the engineer at uh, the studio. I actually uh, gave that. I think it's sitting on the console right now. Gotcha. All right. So Peppermint Sessions was an EP that Red Wanting Blue put out last year. Yes. Yeah, it was. Recorded there at that studio. Yeah. We, we talked we talked to Scott just a little bit about that. So cool. Um all right, my t shirt I am wearing um I haven't worn this for a couple couple months, Wayne. I'm wearing my Carolina Story t shirt. Oh, it's a good one. Yeah. I love this t shirt. So it's very nice, and it goes goes well with my long pants because I'm wearing long pants because it is like uh, right now it's 46 degrees out here in Florida, so feels like winter. All right, so Dean, yes, we've had we've had Scott on the podcast twice. He's one of our favorites. Those those are big shoes to fill being in the guest spot, knowing that Scott has been on the podcast. Yep. Um, I think you're you're up for it though, right? Oh, of course. Okay. 
And and Scott's episode about new radicals, it's still our Facebook page banner because I've just been too lazy to change it, even though it was like a couple months ago. So it's good good timing though, right? With the inauguration and their their comeback performance. It was. We we got a little extra resurgence of downloads for that episode. Apparently, um, other people paid attention to that that great story as well. And um, look, we're we were all excited for that because. Well, I can't speak for Wayne, but I'm I'm now a fan of that record. Yeah, I think um, yeah. early on in uh, joining the band, like you know, just all the late night drives. I remember Scott playing that, and then listening to it a bunch. Just kind of you know, kind of the same as a lot of people that aren't fans. It's just a you know, you know the one song. That's it. But yeah, really great record and kind of kind of a timeless record. And yeah, glad to know it. Okay, now I, w- I want to know if he texted you or you've you've emailed about this because we challenged him to do a cover of Crying Like a Church on Monday. Because I'm like, if there's one song on the album that I want to hear S- Scott Terry do, it's that one. So has he has he told you to get the percussion ready for 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 that song or was he just giving us, you know, platitudes you know what he might have been blowing smoke okay but no i mean i I, you know what there's a lot going on right now in the old rwb camp so he's i think his head's gonna explode he's been we've been trying to like just i mean obviously all of our heads are gonna explode because no one knows what's going on but um yeah we're trying to get this live stream thing down and all this other stuff so you know i'm gonna be spending about a week and a half with him coming up at the end of the month and we'll be uh, staying in the bus, so I'll have a lot of Scott time. So maybe we can work out a little, uh, little cover for you. All right, that'd be awesome. All right, all right. So, so you're in Ohio. Yep. So tell me your story because you're in Youngstown, correct? That's correct. And you went to Youngstown State University, which um, I just realized this week was a thing. So, uh, <laughs> how, how, how how big is that university? I think it's around 13,000. Oh, okay. 13 to 15 something like that. It's not huge. It's it's big enough that I probably should have known that it existed. Um, yeah, sure. Is is this a university that would have would have had any basketball teams in the the uh the the the, the NCAA tourney? Oof, I don't I mean the, the football team was pretty great in the nineties when Trestle was there uh, okay. coaching and then okay. he went to Ohio state. So I think that was kind of the big, big thing. The, the name of the school, the Youngstown state penguins uh, came from the basketball tape basketball team. They did like an all night drive somewhere and they got off the bus. I guess the other team was getting there or something and they saw them getting off the bus and they're kind of like, I guess there was no heat on the bus. Oh. It's freezing. So they kind of walked off like penguins and they said, Oh, it's a bunch of penguins. That's that's the story of how the name came. Okay, excellent. Didn't know the mascot either, so yeah. learning things. I'm learning things tonight. Yeah. So you went to school for music. That's right, music performance. Okay, and primarily drums. Yeah, all percussion, everything. I was I studied classical percussion mostly. Um, so I was really into the orchestra stuff. I took a bunch of auditions. Um, that was kind of my life for a long time. I didn't like through college. I don't think I listened to any 
like pop music until junior senior year i started listening to frank zappa which is not uh, pop music but you know you went through that whole phase of like uh, pop music isn't cool it's you know it's not hard enough it's not difficult it's not classical it's not jazz and that's all the stuff i was listening to so it's a really weird time like mid-2000s just not listening to anything that was coming out um yeah just really really zoned in on on weird stuff and avant-garde and then just studying classical scores and stuff so before going to 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 college you did listen to pop music though or was it all classical leading up to it no it was, uh, a lot of uh classic rock my dad had a really amazing uh record collection still does um and i think we listened to that kind of stuff and he was like surprisingly way on the front end of like uh, buying us new records that came out even before we would really know about them. Like we got the blue album for Christmas uh, when it, you know, a couple months after it came out, I didn't really know the songs or anything, but he's like, Oh, you'll like this record. And like every year we'd get like just kind of amazing CDs for Christmas. Um, so yeah, I think most of my listening came from my, my parents, specifically my dad, um, like be making dinner, just like, cranking nirvana weezer bands like that it was pretty awesome so in other words dave the complete opposite of our parents yeah i'm 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 a little jealous (laughs) yeah i mean the best we could have gotten was you know maybe some johnny mathis or something a little extra kenny rogers and ronnie Millsap. yeah none of that that is good So at what point did you did you turn your attention from classical to 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 rock? Yeah, I think I think it was around junior year. I, I realized I could go down to the library, the public library, and they had like a really uh, curated and amazing CD uh, collection that you could rent out. And uh, yeah, I got I got Frank Zappa, Hot Rats was the first record or CD that I got out of the library and. I think that's when I just started exploring stuff. Um, streaming wasn't really, I mean, there was iTunes, but it was, wasn't uh, what it is today. So yeah. I was just going in there all the time to like get as much. I would rent 30, 40 CDs every week and just kind of add them to my computer, listen to them. And uh, yeah, so Frank Zappa was kind of my, my re-entrance into rock and roll music. How would you tell somebody who just can't get into Zappa? Here we go how to get into Zappa. Yeah, it's just, if you're a Zappa fan, it's like the story of your life is just trying to convince people to like Zappa. I mean, running joke in Red Wanting Blue is, I think Marcus, the, uh, our bassist, um, every time I talk about Zappa, he starts playing this song. Um, I think it's like the Jazz Discharge Party Hats or something like that. And it's, you know, it's like the most ridiculous of all the Zappa songs. And that's what Zappa is to some people. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, Hot Rats is a great record. There's there's a um, apostrophe. There's some some R and B records that are really great players, and I guess just respecting the people that were in the band kind of helps you realize like what what kind of uh, amazing musician Zappa was. And if you if you haven't had a chance to watch that new documentary, it explains a lot about his uh, the reason he did what he did. Um, and just the amount that he created over his entire career is just 
I don't, I don't know that anybody's done as much as him as far as how much he's written and composed. Um, it's pretty, pretty mind blowing. Where do you find the documentary? Um, I think you can just rent it. I, I tried to buy it, but I think it's just okay. rentable at the moment online. Okay. Not on Netflix or Prime or well, anything. Like that. It's probably uh, yeah. I think I rented it from Prime. Okay, but yeah, still, still not a stream, streaming thing. Okay, it's been years since I've tried Zappa. Um, I guess it's it, that's one artist that I've always been kind of scared to even try and listen to again. Cause the last time was like, what, what, in, what is this? And I don't yeah. remember what album it was, but that's, that's the, that's the thing. There's like 60, right. 50 or 60 records that he released that were original music that weren't just live records or whatever. Um, so you can dip in at a part where it's his earliest Sykes sixties stuff. That's doo-wop psych weird kind of stuff. That's, that's cool, but pretty obtainable. And then, immediately after it just gets super jacked up weird. And then he goes through his mid seventies, like R and B funky proggy kind of phase, which is my favorite. Um, and then later it starts in incorporating technology and the synth clavier into the music, which that gets really weird, but also cool. And then all of that was just made so he could essentially uh, fund his orchestral writing career. Gotcha. Of like paying orchestras hundreds of thousands of dollars to record music that nobody will really buy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> crazy. But yeah, I'll send, I'll send you a list of some stuff to check okay. out. Cause, cause one of the other, so you gave me a list of recommendations of albums that, that you wanted to talk about. And one of them was the flaming lips. And um, I've kind of heard that the flaming lips are, very much kind of in that same breath as, as Zappa. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely think there's some, some, uh, similarities. I mean, yeah. some, somebody could argue that of course, but yeah, I think it's in that psych world, whatever people define as psych music. Right. I think that's all kind of in there. Yeah. Well, I'm always open. I never thought I would say this, but Wayne, I have three grateful dead, uh, albums in my possession now. Look at you go! I know. I never thought it would uh, come to this, but um, uh, I've I've done it. So, kind of, I kind of dig them right now. That's kind of my vibe right now. Quarantine has not been good for me. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, so, so Dean, I have to ask you, what is your favorite? Songs from Red Wanting Blue to play drums to. Like, what are the what are the the songs that when they get put on the, the set list, you're like, yes, I'm so jazzed to play this. Um, I mean, I think number one is, is hope on a rope. It's, it's kind of always on there no matter what. I think Scott talked about that a little bit um, yeah. with you guys. It's just kind of a tune that was the first real song that we wrote together. Like once I joined the band, I think, um, it got recorded totally different. Um, than how we were performing it. And then we kind of changed it back to the way we'd, we'd been playing it live. Um, and it's one that's kind of evolved. And I think the outros and stuff are kind of getting more chaotic and it's, it's like one tune that makes me think I'm in Wilco or something. And <laughs> that's like one of our, our favorite bands. Yep. Um, yeah. 
hope on a rope and then you know this isn't a plug but anything off the new record i just really enjoyed playing it was something that we were all really proud of um now when did you come aboard 2009 october 2009 okay so after these magnificent magnificent miles was recorded then yep that one but then we re-released it in 2010 i think because we had a new label and they kind of wanted to give it a fair shot so the first couple years i was playing stuff from a previous record Um, okay yeah all right so i was just re-listening to the wanting today and ulysses that had to have been a fun fun uh recording to do the percussion for yeah yeah that was one that i think i have writing credits on that was um that that particular tune kind of was like how everybody thinks that uh songs are made um which sometimes they are not always but i was playing on the piano and scott was kind of like doing something in the other it's kind of one big giant open space but we have it partitioned off and i was over on the piano he was doing something else and he was kind of humming and singing along to it. And then I made this like really crummy drum loop on my um, iPhone just to play along with it. And uh, he was, he was super excited about it. I was excited about it. He kind of like quickly came to get the uh, verse and chorus. And then I think all in the same day, we like kind of recorded that, that thing in our home studio. Um, And it, it came pretty quick. Um, and then, yeah, once we recorded it in uh, Nashville at uh, Sound Emporium, we used giant drums, I think just huge sizes, went through the giant echo chamber reverb room that they have. And, yeah, it was just kind of like do as much as we can to, like, jack up the sound and get the, that kind of Phil Collins gated drum sound. And, yeah, super fun. Very cool. Very cool going back to what you were saying with the writing process. So do you bring to the table, you know, different beats and say, here, here's something that I've been, been working on. How can we incorporate this into a song? Yeah. I mean, it happens different, differently all the time. And I think especially now, like I have a fully functioning studio here in Youngstown um, that I've kind of been building up. So, I mean, I literally just about 20 minutes ago sent, uh, Scott sent something over to me and and Mark, and then we both we both kind of sent stuff back to Scott. Um, and this one was specifically I just I took all of the instrumental stuff out and just had drums and vocal sent it back to Scott to see just to kind of give it a different like um, different uh, approach at, at writing. But yeah, it, it happens different ways all the time. I was listening to this Daniel Lenoir interview the other day, and he was talking about how. It, Bob Dylan record, Oh Mercy. He made him record the entire thing to an 808 uh, drum machine, just him and the drum machine. Okay. And then as I was listening to that, Scott sent me this song and I was like, man, that's a really cool idea. So I kind of did the same thing, but I played live drums and edited them and sent it back to him. So yeah, it happens all different kinds of ways. Some, sometimes it's something we do in sound check. Other times it's just uh, something that we send you know, everybody's in different places, sending stuff back and forth. Other times it's in the room together. Um, yeah. Every, every different uh, possibility of writing a song is kind of how we do it. I don't think we really have a formula that, that exists at right. the moment. Right. So, so tell me about this little extra sign project that you're doing that is 
uh, a lot of of different loops and and whatnot that is not exactly what I would call a red wanting blue song. Oh yeah, yeah, it's uh, called Tick Tick Tick. Um, I was working with a buddy of mine who I met, I think in 2019, uh, Ross Guerin out in Los Angeles. Um, he was kind of sending me some freelance stuff. Um, I have a lot of orchestral stuff around here. So I was playing vibes, marimba and chimes and all that stuff for him. And we started working and I think Eric was working on something else. He sent that to Ross to have it mastered or mixed. And then I think it's perfect storm. It, uh, I had just gotten back. Um, COVID was happening and we all just kind of said, Hey, let's work on some stuff. And it's the first time I've ever worked out uh, with programming and using, uh, yeah, editing the drums a bunch. Um, everything's live, but it's all, you know, kind of that eight bit kind of sound that we're uh, going after. So yeah, it's a fun, fun project, fun thing to do on the side here. You're kind of going for the like the video game soundtrack stuff. I think it it ended up happening. Yeah, I think yeah. at first, um, the first thing that Eric and I did we were we were just trying to essentially not rip off, but make a tune exactly like this uh, record called Plantasia by Mort Garson. It was a seventies, like early Moog programmed music record. That was for your plants. Um, it's really great record. Check it out. It's so good. Um, and I was really into that. I was telling Eric about it. And I think, and our friend was, was making a short film about plants. So we said, Oh, we should just like make a song for this. And we did. And then that kind of led into all this other stuff. And, um yeah that's yeah kind of how it happened My last question before we steer into um, the album that you chose. So I started following you on Instagram last year and, you know, you talked about your dad's vinyl collection. Your, your collection of vinyl is pretty impressive as well, but you're like really into obscure stuff. Like most of the stuff that you post about, I have zero ideas about any of them. Yeah, yeah, that was, I mean, I think I, I was messaging you. I'm sure everybody does, but just saying, man, I'm freaking out. I don't know what to pick. Like, you know, because Weezer is not a band that I'm like putting on in my record collection. Yeah. Um, it's something I listen to on late night drives or whatever. Um, but yeah, everything I listen to for the last couple of years is like mid 70s, like weird, um, funky jazz just anything that's, you know, like rare records. I'm, I'm really into stuff that's really hard to find. And um, yeah, just all kind of weird stuff. So yeah, it was hard not to pick something like that, which I don't know. You know, I think Wayne said in a couple episodes ago that he was, was like something about there's nothing I like less than instrumentals on <laughs> records or something. And it, it's, it's the kind of thing where like, hey, I could bring this, this uh, Chico Hamilton record in. That's literally all instrumentals. There's no vocals on it at all. You know, it's just, I knew that wasn't something we were going to do, but yeah, super into the record thing. I've been selling records. Um, 
essentially just to make money to buy more records. Um, yeah. It's a real, it's a real uh, addicting thing if you if you get into it. No, I I I get it. I've been doing these goodwill hunting parties where I'm, oh, I go luck. to the the goodwills around the the area. It's mostly been CDs that I've been buying, but every so often I'll I'll uh, land something good um, from from the vinyl perspective. Like uh, about a month ago, I walked in early Saturday morning and there were only four records laying there in the in the record section. They just happened to be Van Halen one, Van Halen two, Diver Down, and Women and Children first. Wow. Nice one, and, and 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 all of them were in um, either very good to you know uh, good condition. So, um, and I paid fifty nine cents for each of them. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, that's a, that's a fresh drop off. That means somebody was like, oh, "I'm going to drop these off at Goodwill. I don't need these." Yep. And then out they come. You're the first guy. There's some local digger that's just so so mad that he didn't get those. Yeah. But most of the time it's, you know, the Ray Khan of singers and, um, you know, I don't know, uh, Petula Clark and I don't know what is some Mitch Miller and that kind of garbage. Andy Williams. I know them all. Yeah. Yeah. You, you probably are like, yeah, this is target practice in the backyard. (laughs) So if you ever see Dick Hyman, Dick Hyman gets lumped in with those collections a lot. A lot of people are buying it. He was like on the Lowry organ um, and would do these kind of weird records, but also started getting into the Moog stuff. He's, he's good to pick up. Always never, never uh, pass up a uh, Dick Hyman. If you get the chance, what an unfortunate name. That yeah, kind of sucks. Didn't work yeah. out for him very well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, um, you'll have to give me a list of, of obscure stuff that I should be, you know, paying attention to, or, yeah, I got some thousand dollar records you could bid on eBay. If you want, if oh, you want to jump in, jump that, in. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's one way of, uh, you know, paying the bills during the pandemic. So good, good. Oh no, you. I'm just buying those. I'm not selling. Oh, them. you're just, you- <laughs> yeah. I literally got a record this summer that's worth, I don't know, thousand, 1500, something like that. It's a promo of a, stark reality that's really great record that um sorry for blabbing about records here oh, i guess that's that, kind of the podcast that's, but that's yeah. the podcast um it's this record that these dudes in boston like these heavy hitters um like made a kid's record um or it's supposed to be a kid's record about edu- you know for education learning purposes and it's just so messed up it's like vibraphone led and it's it's all distorted and really like frightening sounding. And I'm just, it's, it's really rare because obviously like who would, who would make this record? I don't know how it even got passed by like a, an education board of like, yeah, this is a great idea. Right. This song that's like, sounds like monsters playing instruments and screaming into the microphone, but they're really heavy players. And uh, it's a good one. That one's on Spotify and iTunes and all that stuff. So it is. Okay. It is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What was the name of it again? It's a Hoagie Carmichael's Music Shop, um, Stark Reality. Okay. I'm going to yeah. go check that out. Hopefully you don't hate it. <laughs> or maybe hopefully you do. Who knows? All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll, I, I post about 60% of what I'm listening to out there on the socials. So if you, uh, 
if you follow me out there, I'll, uh, I'll post about it. So, all right, great. All right. Um, so, so tell us what record you chose to revisit for this episode. Um, it was Andy Williams Home for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I figured you guys knew it well. Uh, we do know that one. I'm pretty sure uh, we have two copies of that at uh, at home, right, Dave? There has to be two copies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I picked uh, Weezer's Pinkerton. And that was a little with a little bit of, of input from us because you did give us a list. One of them was Flaming Lips. What was what was some of the other ones that you uh, that you had on the list that you couldn't um, decide? Mr. Z- Mr. Zappa was on there. Yeah. I threw it out there as a as a hail mary. Um, I figured that was just that was me trying to be cool to say uh, I like Zappa. Uh, no, but and and let me tell you the reason why I said no on that is I know that that people pick and choose what episodes of oh, ours of yeah, yeah. that they're going to listen to. And, <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm looking at, at our most downloaded, you know, episodes. Th- there are a few out there that the record choices did not equate into people listening to them. Like for of instance, course, yeah. the episode that we did about Buffy St. Marie Wayne, um, great guest rosalie yeah. was great but um yeah nobody nobody listened to that <laughs> so, i totally understand yeah so so i so i think us picking another weezer episode to do um you know we got to give the listeners what they want it's perfect perfect timing too yeah a perfect yeah timing, perfect time um you guys listen to the new uh the the new weezer okay human not yet. It was on my list. Dave? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. It's uh it's interesting. It's it's different. It's uh I I I guess in my head it would be just just as I thought if you said, Hey, pretend Weezer gives up their electric guitars for acoustics and a piano and an orchestra. And maybe yeah. sprinkle in a little bit of Pinkerton stylings maybe a little bit more or or maybe not stylings um maybe heavier content and you know not full pinkerton but a little bit heavier content and then whatever you think of in your head that's kind of what okay human is and then throw the orchestra in in there yeah well. in the or there's an orchestra what the heck yeah but yeah it's it's uh it's it's quirky and um i actually my my buddy just texted me this morning and he was like, Hey, you know about this? And I was like, yeah, it's, it's a fun album. And then I was like, okay, hold up. It's not fun as in I'm going to crank this to 11 and sing it in my car as I'm driving down the freeway. It's fun in that it's different. Um, so right. I, I appreciate, I appreciate that, you know, them doing something different. Dean, what's your, what's your opinion of okay human? Did you get a chance to listen to that? Oh yeah, um, I, I don't like the name. I'm assuming it's a really <laughs> long-winded joke about OK Computer or something, sure. or OK Cupid. Who knows? It re- major turn off. But <laughs> that being said, I um, listened to it the first time while I was jogging, and my first instinct was I wanted to vomit. 
<laughs> yep. <laughs> Listen to it a second time. And I was like, man, I think I like. I, I think I'm turning on this. Listen, listen to the um, Rick Rubin Broken Record podcast that came out. I think yesterday or something. Horrible, with, horrible with, interview. I listened to that yesterday. Yeah. Man, I I like Rick. Is I don't know. I go back and forth with that guy um, just because there's so many tales. But I did enjoy hearing about the process of the record, and I think once again that sold me pretty hard on on the record itself like why it was done and and especially the part about pat was was playing drums like you know the first couple takes he did was was all that they ever did with the drums which is really exciting like catching that raw feeling of like am i messing up am i doing the right thing not overthinking it everybody in the recording world i think tries to capture that yeah that that thing and um you know, once again, just really enjoyed the process and listened to it a uh, third or fourth time today. And, you know, I was listening back and I'm like, man, I feel like I've heard this song like that. All, all my favorite songs are, are sad. Um, it's just one of those where you're like, I feel like I've heard this for 20 years, like every other Weezer song that I, that I love. And I think I like it. I think I like the record. Yeah. Um, so Yeah. The second time I listened to it, I was like, uh, I think all my favorite songs might be in my top 10 Weezer songs. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a great song. It's really good. All right. Well, we're, we're, we're done talking about OK Human. Um, let's, let's talk about Pinkerton. So second studio album released in September of 1996. Um Gosh, that seems so long. <laughs> Dave, help help me out because I I read something about here that it was like Rivers was going to try and do a rock opera for the second album, yeah. And he decided not to go that route, which is per, probably a good decision. Um, there aren't many artists that can pull off a rock opera. Um, save, you know, maybe Pete Townsend or uh, Roger Waters, <laughs> that kind of deal. Um, so, so do you know much about this rock opera that he was planning on doing? Yeah, as a big Weezer fan before he, uh, before Rivers released a bunch of his like home demos and whatnot, like it was kind of like the holy grail for for Weezer fans. You know, there was you know a couple random demos that were out there in the world and everybody was like well he was making this this rock opera and 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 honestly i didn't know about it for for quite a while too myself but he had basically put some songs together and and kind of kept updating this list and eventually kind of flowed out a a story that went along with a couple older songs and just kind of kept piling on and it was going to be this this rock opera of I think it was like three male um, and two female and one robot uh, astronaut sort of people were going to blast off into space and go on some mission to save some people or, or whatever. And, and uh, Brian Bell and Matt Sharp were going to sing two of the, the male parts. Um, one of the Hayden. This sounds awful. This just yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Well, one of, one of the Hayden triplets was was going to sing one of the female vocals. I'm totally spacing on the other one. Uh, apologies, other super hardcore 
Weezer fans. Um, but yeah, like it's it's kind of funny. I, I had just read something as I was kind of researching the songs from the black hole as as it was had come to be known. And I, I guess Rivers had sat down years later with one of the execs from Geffen Records and and he was kind of like, hey, what do you think about all of these old demos? And apparently they agreed, like, none of these are really good. <laughs> so, it, you know, like, it, it sounds like they definitely made the right call of not going down that route. But I, honestly, the I think what really, truly happened in the not going the space opera, rock opera route was... Rivers went off to Harvard and when he, he went off to Harvard, not only was he taking classes, trying to get away from the, the rock star life sort of thing. He also got um, his leg extended. Like he was born with a, a leg that was like an inch shorter than the other. And so he kind of went through this super painful process of getting his leg extended. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's like, yeah, a whole bunch of pins and a brace that, you know, goes into your body and then you, you know, crank on some thing that extends your leg out. Yeah, it's super horrible. And so, like, here's here's Rivers that we, you know, we picture in our head from, like, the Buddy Holly music video. And he, like, grows his hair out and, and, and Harvard has to walk around with a cane and wearing this big old brace. He's constantly in pain. And... You know, and then there's this longing for, you know, female companionship. And so that's that's really what what kind of spawned all the new demos, which eventually became Pinkerton. So um, it's it's a really cool story if if, you know, kind of how did how did Weezer get their second album? You know, there's there's tons of stuff on it. Um, you know, Rivers a few years ago even released a bunch of diary uh, in journal excerpts and whatnot. So gotcha. anyways, yeah. All right. Did So my question for you guys is, did you listen to this when it came out in September of 96? Yes. Okay. I think so around then. Yeah. All right. I, I actually didn't, I didn't fully own it for, for a while. Um, which, which is kind of crazy for, for me. I, I, absolutely love Weezer, but yeah, it was actually, I, I do remember visiting you and you were contemplating getting rid of some CDs. And I think you told me like, Oh yeah, there's this rack over here. You can, you can pick whatever, you know, I'm not really listening to those. And like, I immediately gravitated towards Pinkerton and you're like, actually, no, I'm listening to that. (laughs) You can't take that one. So, um, as as a much poorer younger brother, um, I blame you. No, not really. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I I owned it, um, and I I know that I I'm I traded it in for something at some point or or another. Um, I've since remedied that. Um, it it's back in the collection where it belongs because it. It is probably my favorite Weezer album. Oh, it's, and I don't it's know how you guys. Album. It's my favorite Weezer album. I remember when it came out, and I remember hearing El Scorcho on the radio, and I, I, um, like I, I still remember that. 
because they didn't play it very often. It was, I, I only, I only heard it maybe a handful of times. Uh, and it just seemed to disappear. And I, I'm sure there's several, there's controversy over the song in, in general, but I always liked this album. And I think what I liked about it was that it wasn't, they could have just redone, they could have done the blue album too, which they, mm-hmm. they did later and called it the green album. But they, he, he was, they did something different and it wasn't totally different. It wasn't like they, they just, you know, did a hair metal record or something. They wasn't like they were doing a rock opera. Yeah, they, they did, but he, it's, there's a distinct difference. I mean, there's, it's, it's enough Weezer that you know who it is, but it it is a little bit brave. I mean, musically and lyrically, it reminds me of getting drunk at a company party and saying a bunch of stuff that's absolutely true, but that is of no consolation the next day. True. Wow. That's a great analogy. (laughs) Dean, how about you? Did you, did you buy this when it first came out? Um, I was 10. So I wasn't buying anything, I don't think. But my brother, who's a couple years older than me, we, I was just texting him the other day, and I was like, did you buy this? What happened? Because I know we got the Blue Album, like I said, for Christmas the one year, but yeah, we were like way into Pinkerton. Um, so I think he bought it at probably on cue in Worcester. And then, yeah, it was just we, we traded CDs all the time. So, yeah, I had it. Pretty sure when it when it came out, we had it and enjoyed it right off the bat. However, it wasn't successful. Um, it it peaked at number nineteen, and that was the very first week that it came out. Okay. You know, and and Wayne, you already mentioned um, you didn't hear El Scorcho, which was the lead single. You didn't hear that very often. Like I remember seeing it on MTV once. Yeah, I, 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 what's crazy is I remember hearing it on the end uh, because it came right after, because it came out not long after Dave Grohl put out the first Foo Fighters record. And I remember they played The Call and then they played they played El Scorcho. And I don't know that I ever heard it again on the radio, but I just remember <laughs> that's the coolest song. It just was so weird. Yeah. and it's And it's different from Buddy Holly or the sweater song. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. But, but to your point, Dave, not that different from it. Like not rock opera different. You, you, yeah. You hear El Scorcho on the radio. You definitely know it's Weezer, but it's different Weezer. Yeah. All right. So, so, so last thing on this before we jump in the track by track, or if you guys have any uh, other last comments. So this is the last album of Weezer that, that has Matt Sharp on it. Correct. 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 And, um, do you feel like the absence of Matt Sharp affected future Weezer albums? I want to hear Dave's Dave's thoughts because I know that he is a <laughs> big Matt Sharp homer. Wow, uh, I don't know if I'm that much of a Matt Sharp homer, but uh, you're I, totally I do, a homer. I do love me some rentals, don't? Yeah, um, you know, uh, as as much as I enjoy the rentals, especially those those first two albums and and you know, just a few years ago when he kind of reformed them again, like those, those were super fun. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say 
no. Um, you know, Rivers was and always has been the main songwriter of Weezer. You know, there's I I will say that I think there's some playfulness that comes out in in some of these songs uh every once in a while, you know, when you're when you're listening and then all of a sudden there's this random falsetto screech that comes out or whatever in the mix. And, you know, that's Matt Sharp. And, and, you know, there is some fun uh, with Matt and, and also Matt for a while there was one of the people that kind of did the the heavy lifting in the interviews because Rivers was kind of a shy nerd that didn't want to, to talk to people a whole lot on the radio and, and, or television or whatever. And, and, uh, you know, so after Matt left rivers, just kind of had to be the main guy. But I, I think you could definitely make an argument that rivers was always the main guy. So, you know, I, I, there are definitely some things that I miss about, about Matt in, in like some later albums, but, you know, the the other bassists that they've had in, in the band are great bassists as well. And and I don't know. I Yeah. yeah that's right. probably not the answer you expected me to say, I'm sure. No, I'm 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 well, I am surprised. All right. Uh <laughs> so so Dean, since you also listened to that interview, do you feel like um Rivers has just not learned anything about interviewing skills? <laughs> that he's bad at interviewing is that what you're saying yeah i mean that that was probably my least favorite broken record episode and i've listened to probably 75 percent of them wow i guess i didn't i didn't really i mean he, he's a kooky guy i mean yeah i listened i think he was on mark Marin years ago and he was talking about all the the monk stuff and and yeah i mean he's i think he just he's a goof i mean a goof that's a nerdy goof. Um, I, I didn't find it that hard to hard to listen to. There was I listened to an interview. I won't name who it was the other day where I was like screaming in the car. I was like, "Why can't? What is going on here? This is the worst <laughs> thing I've ever heard." It's just pa- giant pauses of nothing, and yeah, woo. but no, the Rivers one wasn't bad. Which, bad. which episode okay. of ours was that? that you were talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, all right. Just making sure. All right. Um, all right, let's jump into this. We're going to go. Well, I, I have one other thing I wanted to add, if it's okay. Yeah, go for it. Um, I just, when, when Wayne said about the, uh, the company party thing, um, <laughs> I read a quote about this record that I think is from Rivers. It said, it's like getting really drunk at a party and spilling your guts in front of everyone and feeling incredibly great and cathartic about it and then waking up the next morning and realizing what a complete fool you made of yourself. That mm-hmm. was his recollection of uh pinkerton and and the critics perfect yeah and when about did he did he say that do you know i think it was i think it was right around the time like um it was all kind of coming out um i think you know maybe a little bit after that because he he talked about the touring was like Mm -hmm. really great during that time but you know the the critical review was was not gotcha yeah, I, I am also kind of fascinated by the the three sixty that he kind of does on this album. Like when it comes yeah. out, he's he's super stoked about it, and it's like here's the real Weezer, and and 
Blue Album was great, but we were, I think you said, a bit sterile, you know? And and then five years later, the Green Album comes out and he's, he just lambastes his own record and, you know, kind of just says it was embarrassing. But then, you know, go, go another, you know, five, six, seven, eight years and, you know, Rolling Stone has a change of heart about it. And it seems like Rivers has a change of heart and it's like, I love the album. Yeah. Seemed like he also gave that preemptive. Um, I don't know in what form it was, but sent out to like fans about how this record was going to be really weird and borderline sexist and racist with some of the things he says. And don't take it that way. It's just I'm I'm kind of like letting my freak flag fly and showing my dark side. Um, it's weird that he kind of like threw that out there and. Um. I mean, I think it's cool. It's great. It was like, it's, that's the one of the things I love about the record. It's like pure, honest, unhinged, explosive, all these things that were just seemingly exactly what he was feeling. And there was no, you know, it's a lot of pressure to follow up a record that's huge like that. And whether or not he was coping well with that is an example of this record. Um, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Let's go track by track. As a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? Perfect 10. And I, I do want to say this. I have the, I got to tip my hat to him because as a guy who's five, nine ish, uh, it's a lot easier to shorten one leg than lengthen the other leg, but no <laughs> one, no one's going to, no one's going to do that. No guy's going to do that. We'll take the, we'll take the hard way. We can't lose those, those one or two inches. <laughs> all right kudos to rivers all right uh that means our top song is going to get 10 points next favorite nine points on down to the lowest score of one did you, did you guys hear how giddy wayne was when he said the number 10 <laughs> yeah <laughs> it makes me laugh doesn't like a long record he does not like a long record all you have to do yeah. is all you have to do is listen to our tusk episode to uh, realize that all right Tusk and then the wildflowers. He was throwing shade on was it thirteen songs? A little too long for you, Wayne. <laughs> you can pull out. That was missed. It had a couple too many. It was, it was some that I thought got started to get soft. Uh, Blast. I could have. You know what? I bought Tom Petty. I, I bought the twenty-five that record set or whatever it was. The whatever the expensive one was. And it still wasn't long enough. I agree. Best record I'm, ever. I'm, Here we go. I'm right there with you, Dean. I'm. Uh, that's a perfect record. I agree. All right. First song, Tired of Sex. And uh, what I read here, and Dave, you can you can dispute this. This was written before the release of Blue. Yes, it was. Yeah. So early, early track for 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 this record. Yeah, going back to what you were saying, Dean, with the preemptive strike of um, this record might be a little sexist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, is this true? Rivers is such a nerd. Was he just slaying, <laughs> slaying ladies? What's going on? But with this in guy? the sure second half, like yeah, in the second half, those are all old names. Those are old ladies. Louise <laughs> or Therese anymore. <laughs> Catherine. Oh, I mean, when goodness. you're the young guy that uh, goes to visit the old ladies at the old folks' home, I mean, yeah, I suppose he can <laughs> yeah, well, play. It's like he starts out with Jen and Lynn and Jasmine, and he ends up with Louise, Therese, Denise, who's Mabel, Agnes. Who's who's left? Well, in the nursing home, <laughs> Gertrude. I, I think there must there must have been a comic book store next door to the old folks home and once he you know kind of went through the girls at the comic book store he just went next door oh, i'm not call. even going near that one <laughs> <laughs> sorry rivers wherever you are or my guess is monday through wednesday the strippers had the day off <laughs> mm. yeah well oh, that's, mm. i don't know I just we just offended every Jen Lynn and Jasmine out there <laughs> listening to our podcast. Really, Way to go, really Wayne! Oh, you're going to put this all on me? Okay. Absolutely, fair enough. <laughs> but right away, this thing's it feels different. Those drums, those big—I mean, Dave Grohl, a la Nirvana—in your face, like it's angry. The drums are angry, not just Rivers' vocals. And that's that's a testament to Dave. I think it's Fridman. He, he did like Flaming Lips stuff, and I know that was the big complaint with Blue Album was they just wanted to have that Flaming Lips sound. And I think eventually I forget who the not producing but engineering that stuff was just like, well, just hire that guy if you want that sound. Like I'm not going to make that sound for you. <laughs> and that's essentially that's what they did is they got dude from flaming lips and then like if you listen to those records the kick drum sound is like i mean not identical but a lot of similarities um but yeah you're right just huge drum sounds on this record and and if you want if you want an album that is basically seeing from the get-go this is not the blue album yeah Right out of the gate. Yeah. This is this is a pretty good choice for a first song. Correct? Yeah, I think yeah, I think yeah. the way this starts with those with those drums, and then like I say, he almost it's like he almost breaks into a scream a couple of times. Yeah. Um he's it's very it's much heavier than anything that you're gonna find on I mean on the blue album. But yet lyrically on its it's it's very similar. On its face, it may it sounds, you know, kind of uh bravado to say you know tired of sex but really what he's saying is i'm tired of sex i want you know i, I mean it, as much as a rock star is getting so much tail it's first world problems he he doesn't you know not knowing if the people if you're the affection of the other person is genuine is a real problem and that's ultimately you know i'm i who, i need somebody to love me is really what all, a lot of this album is about yeah yeah yep. all right any last thoughts before we get scores uh, I'm also just going to throw in. There's a synthesizer in here. What's what's going on? The Electrocomp 101, uh, some bargain bin thing that Rivers got. So I mean, that's that's even new. Like there's there's literally like one keyboard part in Buddy Holly for a couple notes, and right. here's even more distortion on the guitars. The loud drums that you guys mm-hmm. mentioned already. The there's keyboard. There's super loud vocals like it's this is definitely not the blue album and you know that within just seconds of the record starting yeah yeah all right let's get scores 
Uh, we'll go Dean. Dean first. Uh, 27. <laughs> Not a good joke. Sorry. <laughs> uh, it's eight. All right. Uh, Dave. Seven. Wayne. Four. And this is my six. Just so you know that besides our top three songs, we're going to be all over the place. So just, great. Just, this. just throwing this out there. All right. Next song is Get You. And somebody was supposed to say Gesundheit. God bless you. Though I prefer bless you because it's nicer. Nobody got that no, singles no. reference, did you? Whatever you no. prefer, bro. No, I was quoting singles. Oh, um, God, it's I'm been so, so long. It's been so, so long since I've seen it. So disappointed in you, well, especially what? you, Wayne. You should, you should have known that. <sighs> All right, Wayne, get us started on Get You. Well, it come, I mean, it, it continues from what we just had, more of these big post-punk, you know, Nirvana-style drums. I think the distortion's even cranked up a little bit higher on the, on the guitars, and it's just got this aggressiveness. Uh, th- originally, coming back to this record, I was like, oh, this is my least favorite song. This one just grew on me, and it's not really for anything he sang because there's a underlying creepiness to the lyrics about Get You, <laughs> But musically, I'm now kind of all in on this new Weezer sound. Okay. Dean, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, it's just, they, it's like that chainsaw sounding guitar intro, the slide up yeah. kind of thing that is like a nine inch nails um, sound that I always liked. Is just, I, I think I've asked the guys in the band, like, how do you get that like chainsaw? Are they using a chainsaw? What's going on there? And like that. Yeah, just the intros and outros of this record are so good, in my opinion. There's, it's like the thing that bands struggle with a lot is how do we end this or how do we start it? And there's just so many things that are just off the cuff. Seems like they just they just did it, and this is one of those that just slides up into it. And it's just it's uh it's amazing. Yeah, love it. Right. I don't know what the song's about at all. I, I I I'm I'm bad with lyrics, but yeah, this one I'm just kind of confused. I think yeah. I'm I'm kind of with you, Wayne. I kind of feel like maybe there's a little bit of creepiness. It's very stalkery. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna get you, you know. But at the same time, he's he's like I, you know, this this is beginning to hurt. This is beginning yeah. to be serious. Like he's got that. It's like he has that nerdy Rivers Cuomo kind of um, shyness. I mean, but he's he's masking it very well with these, this, this, uh, these aggressive vocals and these, like say, get you is if that's a little bit scary. I'm going to get you. Get you. Right. (laughs) And, and, and I'm only bringing that up that there's a little bit of creepy factor because we just recorded an episode with Stephen Kellogg about great lyrics. And I brought up lucky you from the national was one of my favorite lyrical songs. And, you know, there's there's definitely a creepiness factor, and we talked about every breath you take as well. So, um, 
yeah, it just kind of is, is in that in the in those lines. Creepiest wedding song ever. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, uh, Dave. Any last thoughts? Oh man, I I was going to mention the chainsaw thing too. That's it's such nice. a great way to open this this song. I. I struck. I I think this song more than all the others. I have to say, I struggled with uh, putting putting a score next to because I think you can catch me one day, and this is going to be like a top three. Catch me another day. It's middle of the pack, you know. So, I think this this one I struggled the most. All right, what's your score? I gave it a four. But again, ask me tomorrow. <laughs> all right, Dean. Three. And were you okay? That was your three or did you struggle with yours as well? Hey man, I know nobody's ever said this, but, uh, they're all great songs. I had to name one three. Uh, no, yeah. I mean, (laughs) they're all good ones. So someone had to have a three. That's mine. No, we get it. It's the records revisited remorse. We get it. (laughs) Uh, Wayne, your score. Seven. This one just kept climbing higher and higher. Whoa. This is definitely okay. a not what he's saying. It's how it's being said. All right. And this is Good my one. five. All right. Next song is No Other One. And this didn't track real high for us. Um, Dean, you've got the highest score out of all of us for this wow. one. So, so um, t- tell me a little bit about this song. I don't know. It's a slow jam, slower jam that I, I don't, you know, like some of these songs are just so unhinged. I think, you know, his vocal performance. And um, I actually, I made a note here that I, I always thought he was saying all other jocks she does scare me real good <laughs> not drugs um, okay. same with with uh get you i thought it was um get to our heart which is just i mean i'm so bad with lyrics so it, the, for 20 some years i've been thinking it's completely the wrong lyric which is great and that's and that's why they keep you behind the drums exactly man okay. that was the other thing i didn't know what to pick because i i could i can't even reading these lyrics Made sense because I, I know these ones spoke to me, but a lot of a lot of lyrics, I just have no clue what anybody's saying, which is yeah, like you said, keeping behind the drums. But no, I mean, I just uh, yeah, wasn't that's not my favorite tune, but that's a good one. All right, Wayne. Um, so I'm hoping that you'll justify your score because my guess is you know a few girls. Or two that has a tattoo and two pet snakes. I don't know any girls with pet snakes. Um, okay. I know, I only know girls with tattoos. Uh, but this one, this one fell back. Like he, they did this two songs that it's much different, and there's this, you know, this sound. And now this one feels much more like a prototypical Weezer song. It would fit 
you know, it'd be filler on the blue album or the green album, either one. But it had an, it just felt uninspired. I mean, he's really, it's almost like he's trying too hard to paint her as the bad girl that he loves because he just doesn't want to be alone. Um, you know, she does drugs, she's got tattoos and two snakes. That's, that's, you don't go out with girls with two snakes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Wayne, your score on this one? This was my least favorite song. All right. Dave? This is also my least favorite. All right. Dean? I had a four. All right. This is my two. Um, just spoiler alert, this is our least favorite song. Um, all right. Next song. Why bother? And I'm going to throw this over to Wayne. Why should well, we bother? You know what? It it sounds, this one, like I just made the statement that the last one sounded much more like a Weezer song that you would hear on Blue. So does this one, but it's good. I mean, this one's full of energy. It's got that self-deprecation, but there's there's a, there's a, a bitterness to it. There's a little bit of bite. Um, and this has got my favorite guitar solo. Okay. All right. Shortest song on the album. At two minutes and six seconds. Yeah, and he rhymes sexual attraction with keep whacking. <laughs> Pro- probably my favorite set of lyrics on on this album. Um, you know, because we're we're I'm really just a twelve year old boy um, trapped in a, a man's body. Um, Aren't we all? Uh, yeah, uh, Dave. What do you got on this? One? <laughs> I I don't think I can top Wayne. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know this. I, I guess the only the only thing that I I'll throw out there with with this one and the the preceding uh, couple songs were these these first four songs were songs that were um, part of the songs from the black hole kind of concept. Um, uh, they okay. they they probably don't necessarily like advance the story the same way that some of the other songs that Rivers wrote for that. But these are definitely the songs that you could pick out and fits within the theme of Pinkerton, which is you know longing for you know for someone and 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 all that. So um, I don't know. I just figured I'd throw give one last shout out to songs from the Black Hole and all right. lyrically, this is. This is one of my favorites on the record. This is why I'm I'm justifying my um my seven that I'm giving this one. Um, I also love the lyrics of of um, I've known a lot of girls before. What's the harm in knowing one more? Maybe we could even get together. Maybe you could break my heart next summer. Well, my so. favorite is it, it's going to kill me. It's going to kill when you desert me. This happened to me twice before. Like he is. Yeah. Not getting it. No. no. <laughs> Slow on the uptake. Yeah. Wayne, Wayne, your score on this one? Eight. Okay. And then Dean? I get a five, and I want to throw in there that this has one of the best drum fills of all time. Um, it's just a really long punk rock drum fill. And I think, isn't this the one where Rivers just yells, yeah, like right before the next 
verse or something. I should know uh, that. I should have written that down. But it's just it's like this big drum fill. Then they all yell yeah, and it's just like that's like the excitement that I yeah. I'm hoping that they feel for the the uh, the drum fill, which you know who knows. I give it a five though. All right, and then Dave. Uh, I gave it a six, but I'm I'm pretty sure College Dave uh, would have rated this a lot higher because uh, yeah, this one definitely hit a, a little harder in uh, college. Yeah, well, some of us have put that behind us. All right. Um, <laughs> Ouch, man. All right. Next. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, next song. Next song. Across the sea. And I'm just going to throw this over to Dean because um, the rest of us have the same exact score except for you. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So what it, what do you like about Across the Sea? Um, yeah, I just thought it was a super, like you guys have been saying, a creepy song about somebody you didn't know and how he was talking about sniffing the, the letter and licking it, I think he, he said many times about he would just like obsess over this letter of this person that he'd never know. Um, I just like that, that brutally honest, like if you sang this to somebody in a room for the first time, they might be kind of grossed out by you. Um, <laughs> and I think that's kind of awesome. Like these just kind of like, like I said before, letting the freak flag fly of just throwing it out. Um, yeah. Yeah. I read. So one quote that I've got, uh, from Cuomo on this is it was inspired from a letter that he received from somebody in Japan. Yep. And he says, when I got the letter, I fell in love with her. It was such a great letter. I was very lonely at the time, but at the same time, I was very depressed that I would never meet her. So there you go. Um, my guess is she's in, she's a half Japanese girl. (laughs) Precursor for another song. I would imagine she's probably entirely Japanese, well, but okay. what are, has, I, Hey Dave, has she ever been revealed? No, I, I've, I'm a little upset about this. I, I know. I'm a little upset too, that there isn't some girl in Japan that has come out and raised her hand and said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm somebody who sent him a letter, you know, perhaps it's about me. Um, yeah. If only. You know, all these Weezer heads need to get to work and figure this out. That's right. Time to do some sleuthing. And make a documentary about it. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Uh, scores, Dean? Uh, six, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Dave? Uh, you know, I will. I, I have to preface. <laughs> I want it. I really do want to like this song a little bit more, and that there are definitely parts to this I do love more. But, um, you know, I, lo- I love the intro, um, how it kind of, starts real soft and goes into something bigger. Um, but uh, unlike a lot of huge uh, Weezer fans, uh, this is not one of my favorites. Uh, this is only my three on the album. Okay. Wayne? 
Yeah, and I also gave it a three, and I do like. There's part of it that's sweet, yeah. but when it's creepy, it's real creepy. <laughs> like, and it, it, and so that and also, and then it gets erratic. Like at the end, he starts telling a story about um, when he shaved his head to look like a monk, which I know he was in an ashram in Connecticut, so I'm sure that's a real story. Yeah. And then he just takes a shot at the music business real quick at the end. Like it doesn't. Like if he would have cut out some of. The, if he would have left some of the details to the imagination on the story and told the whole story, it could have, because musically I did, I do find it pleasant. It's just when he, he, the creepiness is pinpointed just to a few lines, which there's no going back from. Yeah. And this is one to, to your point, Dean, about not knowing what the lyrics were. Like originally, I think that this would have been a higher song for me, but then I looked at the lyrics and it kind of creeped me out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. What's, I mean, Literally, the first two lyrics are like broken English, too. I mean, did he do that like kind of in response to the letter or something? That would be my guess. Yeah. 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 Again, the preemptive strike that you talked about previously, I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, so this is my three as well. All right. Um, here's where it starts getting good. All right. This is The Good Life. was second single on the record and i think that was a mistake and it was a mistake yeah do you think that this should have been the first single just because not the end i will say this every time i listen to this song as i'm singing it loudly i think this has got to be how can this not be my favorite song on this record uh it's this is my second favorite weezer song of all time and if in, from what happened based on the first single, if you release this one, I think you might get more people in. You're definitely going to get more radio spins and video, you know, plays on MTV and maybe ease them into the creepiness. Yeah, but but it still it still surprises me that I, I get that the first single is a little creepy and a little weird and whatnot, but how is this not getting play? Like you guys do remember what mid nineties radio sounded like this is right in the wheelhouse. I, I think, and you know what? And this is one of the reasons I hate these retroactive reviews. Cause this was crit- critically and commercially unsuccessful until, you know, five or 10 years later. And then it's voted yeah. one of the best records. I love this record from the beginning. And I'm going to say this, after this, after this week of listening to this, if once karaoke comes back, I am doing this song. <laughs> you have to give me the address of where that's going to be, and I will be uh, there. Everybody, get your camera phones out. But yeah, this starts. That's just a great. It's got that great crunchy, you know, guitar intro, and it, it's just. I mean, the the chorus is is unbelievable but it just it's a wild ride musically the whole time you just i there was i sang the song like all week long i ever people would find me and i'd be shaking booty making sweet love <laughs> i couldn't stop singing all, all week long 
So I almost I almost use the so the the lines of the funky dude staring back at me, broken, beaten down, can't even get around without an old man cane. I almost use those lyrics for your intro today. <laughs> Ooh. Fair enough. That's so, fine. All right. Sorry about that. Um Dean, what do you got on the good life? Um, yeah, I gave it a ten. Um it's uh yeah, definitely my favorite on the record. I'm assuming the the line you just quoted is kind of him talking about his his leg situation. Yeah. Um I always thought he was saying I don't want to be a no man. Like I don't want to say no to these ladies. I'm going to get on the dance floor to, and shake the booty. Once again, wrong. Um <laughs> I like that though. My favorite Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah, I'll talk to him. I'll see what he thinks. Maybe switch it up. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But uh, the guitar solo in this one, when it breaks down, and then they just—it sounds like they just completely went to room sounds. Of uh, the solo is just like so perfect. It's like my favorite moment of the entire record. It like makes the entire record for me. I think like the pictures inside the CD booklet. Booklet. I haven't seen it in a while, but. I think it was all distorted and kind of, you know, that tapia or uh, is that how you say it? Tepia? Step? What is the color? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. The, you know the what I'm Sure. This isn't no photo podcast. No, no. <laughs> um, we don't know what the hell we're talking about with photos. So it's, I don't know. I think I just imagine that like they're like recorded it in a creepy old haunted house, which they, it was, this was like in Sound City, not that at all. But um, yeah, man, what a great moment just to like, Guitar solo, slow, everything quiets down, and then it's all room sounds. No, it's perfect. Yeah. yeah. It's a good one. I love it. All right, Dave, your score? Uh, I gave it an eight, and I I do just kind of want to point out, you know, kind of what I was saying earlier about the writing of this record. Like, this, this definitely is about his time at Harvard. Like, when he said he couldn't get around without an old man cane, he literally had to have a cane as he was walking around to his classes and whatnot. So yeah, I love the song. It's my eight. I thought you just got one of those when you entered Harvard. (laughs) (laughs) You're sophisticated now. Here's your cane. Here's your cane. Sophisticated or pretentious. One of the two. Definitely. Uh, Yeah. Wayne, your score. Even though I like some sugar in my tea, I, I gave it a nine, only a nine. All right, and this is my nine as well. All right, next song, first single off the record. Here's El Scorcho.
we just talked about how that, this was a mistake having this as the first first single. It's great. I love it. This is the reason why I bought the album was because of El Scorcho. But I I get that the rest of the Weezer fans that you know bought Blue in in hordes. This is not. Yeah, this is not uh, not not a good choice for for the first one. You know what, bro? I'm gonna I'm gonna die on this hill. El okay. Scor- El Scorcho is my pick for the lead single, and I don't care. <laughs> so, uh, it yeah, I I don't know. I love this song. It still has the the quirkiness of of Pinkerton, but it still has all of the you know kind of what you would expect from Blue Album. But uh, again, it's it's uh, to me this song was kind of like a song that bridged the gap for me in that the first couple times I listened to Pinkerton, it was like, what is going on right now? But there was the song towards the end of the album that was on the radio. I heard it. I loved it. I, I loved I fell in love with it again as I was listening to Pinkerton years later. And, and so I don't, I don't know for me, it's to me, it's the lead single. Um, I although I I think where I I do disagree like I agree with you guys in disagreeing that you know what should be the second single I I have another thought on that myself but um but I don't know this is my favorite uh what about you guys I guess this is my favorite Weezer song it's my favorite song in here but I would be, I still think it would be a nice hidden you know album cut that only Weezer fans knew of kind of thing. Cause I think as a, when you alienate people, especially on, on the radio in 1996, that's, that's going to affect things. They came back, they, they, they triumphed, but mm-hmm. I still think that it, the people who like the song are still going to like the song. The people who were turned off on it are the people who don't want to listen to that probably really don't dig deep into albums anyway. And mm-hmm. they can have whatever Britney Spears song they were listening to at the time. <laughs> what I love about, th- I love so much about this because it's got this really herky jerky beat. Like it doesn't sound normal. And the whole, and it's all this amalgamations of these different bizarre references. There's a public enemy line. Then there's the, my favorite line was always that, uh, what is it? Grudge, dro- leg drop, do jack through the press table, which I never understood whatsoever until I was, I was reading something about it. And it's actually, something he read out of someone else's uh, an essay by someone else in Harvard. And it's describing like a wrestling, something that happened in a wrestling pay-per-view and then it all completely made sense, but it doesn't make sense (laughs) is why it's here, but it's still, to me, this song captures that awkward, weird, uncomfortable feeling between 13 and 17 where pretty girls, not only it's not that they didn't like me, it's that they didn't even know I existed and it captures that feeling and it makes it seem okay. And, and that's, that's one of the, that's, it does that. That's this song does that. And that's what I, that's what I love most about it. And who's Chocho San? That's a, that character. That's Madam Butterfly. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm uncultured. Well, Pinkerton is also a a reference to Madam Butterfly. Yeah. Again, I'm uncultured. Um, I know, I know Green Day. That's referenced. <laughs> well, how cool is that? Yeah, how cool is that? Uh, Dean, what what do you got on this one? 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's just that intro drum drum fill thing is just so sweet. Drum sounds are great, and just kind of like part of uh, Pat Wilson's like just constant goofballness. I think from the get go of just how do I start this simple? It's probably somebody said, "Hey, start this one simple," and then that's what happened, and they left it. And I think. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. I mean, just looking back at the videos, how he's like just goofing off all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. It seems like it's just like something that was very thought out, but not thought out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Great, great tune. I don't, I think you guys were talking about the radio singles thing. I mean, I don't know why anybody picks anything they pick. It's so ridiculous. Um, yeah. 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 That's what I have to say about that. Yeah. Um, and, and whoever wrote the Wikipedia, um, spot for this, it says the track failed commercially, several radio stations refused to play the song and the video was not played on MTV. I just want to refute that. That's how I heard the song initially was I saw the video on MTV wasn't played that often, but I saw the MTV video of this. So anyways. You know, because everything that you read on the internet is true. Especially now. I don't know if you guys know don't know that. Um, all right. Scores. Did I get scores? I don't think I got scores. Wayne, your score? Ten. Dean? Nine. Dave? Ten as well. And this is my ten. So, spoiler alert, this is our top song. All right. Uh, next song, Pink Triangle. And I'm just going to throw this over to Dave because I'm going to guess that one of the songs that you created for your band, (laughs) Neon State, is derived from listening to this song way too much. And I'm talking about your your song, She Likes the Girls More Than Me. Right on the nose. It's definitely coming with a pink triangle vibe. So, so tell me about pink triangle. <laughs> um, you are not wrong. Um, <laughs> it, it seems like a lot of things came together all at the same time um, back in the day. So, yeah, for for me with with pink triangle, there were there were definitely some crushes that I had in in college, and this was also at the same time as I was kind of like writing music for the first time, and um, kind of also rediscovering my my love for for Weezer and listening to Pinkerton a whole lot, and and so um it it wasn't like i intentionally wrote a song to be kind of like a i don't know in my head it's like a a distant cousin sort of thing so um 
it, it wasn't it wasn't intentional like that I was trying to do that. But uh, but yeah, I, I definitely sat down and I wrote some music, and then I was like, well, I got to put some lyrics to this, and um, yeah, that's that's kind of what came out. And, and who here hasn't been infatuated with somebody who we find out is is on the other team? <laughs> well, my understanding is he never he she isn't like that. And once again, read it on the internet, but yeah, he never he just assumed because there was a pink triangle on her backpack that she was, and she turned out was just sympathetic to LGBTQ causes, uh, and wasn't at all. But I think that ultimately ties into much of the attitude of, of the of the record is he didn't even he didn't he just assumed that he was going to lose, that it wasn't going to work, that she's never going to like you. She must be gay. It, I mean, he he didn't even find he didn't ask. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Notice that everybody's being really quiet right now. I, I was I was <laughs> just going to say, like, in in basically the 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 last crush right before i wrote my song um my my I, yeah it's not that i didn't even ask like wayne was saying it was it was definitely like oh hey there she is and holding another girl's hand oh, oh okay i definitely misread that one so yeah yeah <laughs> any last thoughts before scores yeah to to me this this would be my second single on the record but um i i although now that i'm thinking about it again maybe it's because it's 2021 this would be my second single like i i don't don't know if you could do i don't know that you could put this out as a single or even put it on the the record i don't know that on you could put it on the record in 2021 i i think there's still a, a place for for this, I, I just my my gut says that in and 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 all my my gut says that in 1996 you can't put this out as a single and and I think why why I'm beginning to think maybe that couldn't happen is like the one thing that makes me extremely jealous um, from this time period was uh, since 107.7 the end here in Seattle market. Uh, they were the first station that played Weezer, the first big station that played Weezer. And so kind of as a thank you, they were like, Hey, we'll, we'll do a contest. Like if it, you know, have some kids write in or whatever. And whoever, whoever wins, uh, will come play at your school. And so Shorecrest high school, there was some kid that, that won. And so Weezer literally came to their school and played this acoustic set and uh, you can hear some of the recordings on the deluxe version of, of the album. And uh, as soon as they say, you know, I'm dumb, she's a lesbian, like all the kids lose their crap. You know, they're like, oh, my God, they said lesbian, you know. So 
as as much as I would want this to be the second single, I I don't know if it could in 1996. So okay, I don't know. It was right. the third single, right? Yeah. I think it, yeah, it was, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure by the time it came out, like, wasn't this only like maybe a, a, a radio promotional single? Like, I don't, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure, but it was, it was called a single, but like I say, in 1996, there's a lot of things you could, you could do and, and people would be like, did they just do that? But I don't think in 2021, a record label would let you be, and once again, it's not. I don't think he's necessarily trying to offend anybody, but sometimes, at least nowadays, mm-hmm. it feels like if you mention certain things and you just can't, you can't mention them. It's not your, you know what, you're not allowed to say that, or we're not, we can't have you put that out as a single. Um, and you can say, well, that's, you know, just listen to the song. That's not what it's about. That's not what they, nope, you can't have it. You, you know what, you could, you could offend somebody. You're going to alienate a, a certain group. And they don't, I just feel like there's an overreaction to a lot of things just based on what specific words that are used in it. We can have a whole episode about cancel culture, couldn't we? <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to, we're, we're going to be, we're going to be talking a lot about that in a couple of weeks when we do our Ryan Adams episode. <laughs> oh boy. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So all good. All good. Um, all right. Scores. Dean, what do you got? Uh, seven. All right. Dave. It's my nine. All right. Wayne. Six. And this is my eight. All right. Next song. Falling for you. Give bonus points for using the phrase "holy cow" to start out the song, <laughs> and that's all the notes I've got for this one. Uh, Wayne, what do you got? And that's funny, is I I don't have a lot of notes. I because I this song is what I would consider almost like filler. Like this does this fits. It sounds like it could be on this record. It could have been on the previous record, the next record. I don't. It kind of fits the theme, you know, of of. You know, right in there. It's just right in their wheelhouse. Everything about it says Weezer song, but it, nothing, nothing pops. This is the second reference to a cello is made in here, though. I will, I did notice that. So I'm going to tell on myself. I was going to wait until the next song, but you just brought up the filler thing. So I honestly don't remember the next song. Like when I played this again uh, for the first time in a long time. Um, I always stopped at Pink Triangle. I felt like that was a perfect end for an album. So I I didn't really listen to Falling For You. It wasn't one of my favorites. And the fact that I don't remember Butterfly at all probably tells you everything you need to know about how I, what my score is going to be <laughs> for that song coming up. Um, but yeah, I, it's, I think it's perfect placement because you you want people to to listen to that really good streak of 
of, you know, the good life and, uh, through pink triangle and, um, yeah, it's, this becomes filler for me as well. Anyone dispute that? Um, I mean, I feel like it still fits within what he is going for in the entire record. I, I think there's still a place for falling for you and, and butterfly, but I, I completely a hundred percent understand what you're saying though, because like, you know, I, I, if you were to leave this song off the record, I'm, I'm not going to cry either. Um, but it, it definitely fits within the theme. All right. Dean, anything on this one? Um, yeah, I actually wrote down um, that he said, holy moly. So like your holy cow gets bonus <laughs> points for holy moly. Yeah. Um, and then I always thought he was saying, uh, I'm, th- I'm, what was it? I'm thinking natural touch. I like you way too much. Once again, not the, not the right lyrics. So I, I feel like we need to have an offshoot podcast, which is called misheard lyrics with Dean. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, I would listen to that. So would I, <laughs> I love, I love misheard uh, lyrics. So yeah, I got oh, in yeah. trouble so many times when I was a kid. Cause I would like, especially mentioning green day. I think that's, sure as hell or something. I thought it was Rizel and I was just yelling it in the car. And my dad was like, take it easy. It's a swear word. <laughs> yeah, I just had no clue what I was saying. Oh, that's great. That's, awesome. that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I knew a guy who thought, uh, Eric Clapton's after midnight was captain midnight. You couldn't convince him. Of <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's, that's, that's good too. That sounds like an Elton John album. <laughs> I might listen to that too. Yeah. All right. Um, Did I get scores? Nope. Not yet. I didn't get scores. Dean, your score. Dose. Dave. This is also my deuce. Wayne. Uh, I gave it a five. He also calls himself an old goat. And I don't know when the the time of this, I don't know that he qualified as an old goat. All right. All right. Give me my greatest of all time. He was the oldest, greatest of all time. Right. <laughs> yeah, still, I don't. Yeah, he's still too young. I think so. I got a ways to go. All right, and this is my four. And like I said, I gave two extra bonus bonus points for using "Holy Cow." <laughs> um. All right, let's wrap this up. This is Butterfly. And I'm just going to throw this over to Dave because your score is so different from the rest of us. So what is it? He's a true Weezer fan. Yes. (laughs) What is it about Butterfly? Because I already told you, like, I didn't remember this song at all. Because, like, even when I first bought this in 96, Mm -hmm. I was skipping this song. It didn't do much for me. So what is it? What is it about this? No, I, 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 I totally, I totally get it. Cause there was, I mean, there's even a time for me where I turned off the album at after falling for you, you know, um, because 
it's it's just it's an acoustic song at the end of the record like sonically it doesn't fit in but thematically it's it totally fits and thematically it's it's kind of the logical ending to pinkerton um you know butterfly you know borrows so heavily from the the madam butterfly um you know story and you know at the very end of the story she basically gives up her son to this this white guy madam butterfly being japanese you know gives up their their son so that he can raise it with his new white wife somewhere if i'm remembering the story correctly and she literally just goes behind a wall and commits suicide you know like and so like you know pinkerton is is you know super upset by by that and it's kind of the same thing where like rivers clearly has done somebody wrong you know and and he he says i told you i'd return when the robin makes its nest and and he didn't and so he just ends the album with i'm sorry you know i i messed up i basically gave you nine songs where i've told you what a turd i am (laughs) at times and here, here I am kind of concluding this album with, I kind of am a turd sometimes I'm recognizing that. And I'm sorry. You know, if you were, if you were trying to get me cultured with your synopsis of Madam Butterfly, um, that didn't work. (laughs) That's, that wasn't that wasn't my goal. That wasn't my goal. So So I'm going to (laughs) remain uncultured. Here's here's my other problem with this song, and and then I'll shut up because I'm really sounding like Wayne and, and <laughs> get off my lawn. Um, do, does anyone else think it's just a matter of time before the band is going to jump into the song and rock it out? Hey, you got and Carl it on bass drum, man. Glockenspiel. <laughs> yeah. I need more glockenspiel. I just i I kept waiting for the band to jump in, and and then it's just it really is just rivers and, and the super sad song. And what's the? I mean, it, the nineties. I feel like everybody, like you're putting out such a rock record that you want to like. It's everybody. The grass is always greener. You always want to put out that like All right. simple, quiet. Like I can do this too. Cause everybody that's in a rock band, I feel like always wants to have that side of them exposed as well. Like I like this stuff. I like being quiet and chill. And I feel like in the nineties, there was tons of those. Once again, green day did it a couple of times, especially with the secret tracks and all that stuff. Mm. I feel like it's just kind of like a common thread of, I don't think that was from what I read about it. It seemed like he was waiting and he had this song and he was ready to wanted to record it when it was the right time. It happened to be, super late one night. Um, but yeah, I just feel like it's the kind the common thread of, Oh, let's end it with this, this, this quiet solo kind of, kind of tune with Carl on the bass drum and Carl mm-hmm. Bill. And I will say, <laughs> well, I will say what's missing that he just, he just reminded me what's missing is a hidden track. Now, if this was the hidden track, uh-huh. it wouldn't be any better, but it means we would get another track that was probably a bit, yeah, I don't know if it's better. I think this the only way this works is at the end 
Um, the only way it works is if you know the the Madam Butterfly tie-in. Um, I still, I didn't, yeah, I didn't really, I didn't, I wouldn't say I didn't, I don't hate it. Um, but if it wasn't here, it wouldn't bother me. The The one thing is I, I just felt like lyrically, he, he's going along, it's very poetic and that doesn't suit him, I guess. It is, but then he says the line that's a classic Rivers line of, if you're a dog or if I'm a dog, you're a bitch thing. And so, to me, it was like, it's good, but it's also like, it's a, it's a slap back to like, Oh, rivers is like borderline crying in the song. It seems like, you know, it's an emotional take and everything. And then he says that and you're like, Oh no, it's rivers. This is what he's doing. This is a classic. <laughs> like, I feel like from, from day one, it's been a giant joke where at the end he's gonna be like, I got you guys. It was just a big joke. This whole thing, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like he's got that long. The, he's playing the long game. Yeah. Well, he just he he gets you. Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Wow. All right. You're playing the long game I, over there. I, I was. Yeah. <laughs> You've been saving right. that one. All right. Um, this is my one. Wayne. Two. And Dean. One. And then Dave. You're breaking my heart, guys. I knew uh, it. <laughs> this is my five. I, I, I saved Dave for, for last because I wanted all of us to just go, <sighs> such a weezer fan. You just wanted to crap You're on such me. A fan. Fine. Fine. Such a weezer fan. Such a weezer fan. Such a matter yeah. butterfly fan. <laughs> well, it's, it's easy to be more cultured than a Florida man. So, Whoa. Ouch. That Whoa. was that's fired. <laughs> I love you, bro. I, I love I you. All good. <laughs> Florida man kills baby brother. <laughs> right. All right. This is the point where I go. Um, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? I got. A, I got something to say over here. Yeah, let's hear it. This is a quote by old David Crosby that's in that Troubadours documentary. Um, something I'm paraphrasing, but he says, "You have your whole life to write your debut album." Um, so it's always your best. It's it's everything you've been working on since day one. And then, but you only have a year and a half to write your follow-up record, which is pretty, pretty standard. it seems like maybe a couple years longer for Weezer, but I think that's a true testament for a band is to put out a record like they did. Um, seemed like Rivers was, was crafting that for a while. And then to turn around and like put out something that, you know, first off wasn't, wasn't, greatly received but afterward just becomes this monumental record that everybody seems to really love it's pretty amazing i mean i think it's like it's uh kind of shows his his uh the band everybody like their ability to do something like that was just pretty monumental maybe they're young and didn't realize what was what was even going on and they're just going with their gut but i thought it's pretty huge to put out a record like this i think after that previous record yeah Um, for sure but that's that's like my battle with Weezer over the years is I haven't I haven't really followed them other than a couple singles and then I would dip in on a couple things, um, but they just change all the time and some people I think hate them for that you know and I just reading it seems like they're pretty okay with that like yeah so what if you like these earlier records we're making new records and maybe you'll like something down the road and I just think it's it's pretty awesome for them to not just get stuck in the rut of like oh it's just remake this record over and over. Um, seems like rivers is just down to like try every single songwriting 
possibility there is to to make songs, especially on the new record. And then I don't know if you guys have heard the, the song exploder thing. I don't think I heard you guys talk about it on the other uh, the blue album episode, but he literally has spreadsheets that he he pulls from with rhythmic um, like amounts of, uh, amount of rhythm in inside of a, a verse or something like that. He pulls from it and just and uses Spotify to like re um, to, to make algorithms of songs he likes to then change the names, then pull them up years later or weeks later, months later, when he doesn't remember the the uh, the name of the song, to then use those chord progressions to then use the spreadsheets to craft a song. It's like the most mathematical weirdo way to write a song. And uh, I know he was doing that for a while. It's really interesting because it's to me, you know, a lot of people, songwriters, I think they're disgusted by it because he takes a lot out of that. That's not personal feeling. He like crafts a, a story after the song is written. Um, but once again, super interesting that he's just does totally doesn't have to do this anymore, but continues to do it. Um, I think that's great. I like it. So, so would he be considered a math rock guy? He's, he's uh, he says he's not, he said he's not into, uh, into, uh, into math. So no, I mean, no, nothing that they do musically is math rock oriented. Yeah. I think it's, it's just like his weirdo, like how many syllables are in a, in a word and they go in a spreadsheet and then he pulls that out and then sings it. And it's, it's just, it's really bonkers. Dave, have you heard that one? I haven't listened to it yet. I, you know, my, my buddy, my buddy told me all about that one and I totally forgot about it until you just Dude. said it now. So I guess I know what I'm listening to on my drive home tonight. Oh, so it's so like, you can either love it and take it at face value and say, wow, like that's, that's wacko, but awesome. Or you can, you know, hate it because he's doing it that way. And it's like more of a job to him, but yeah, mm. I think it's just really interesting. Maybe we should, um, Maybe we should call Weezer going forward. It's algorithm rock music instead of math rock music. Algorithm and blues. There you go. Wow. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Oh, that's so yeah. good. I mean, uh, trademark Ben. That, buddy. You, you listen to the the Rick Rubin thing. I mean, did you hear him talk about his his Spotify playlist yeah, algorithm? Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. It's so insane. And then he just rattles off like the playlists of music that he's getting from. And it, it's just, it's such like a, a, a mental workout to just even name that stuff. And it's, whoo. Yeah. The guy yeah. is, he's something else. Yeah. Whatever playlists that are coming to him is like, you know, the, the Jack formats, uh, on, on yeah. radio where it's like, they'll just throw anything out there. You know, you'll be listening to Gordon Lightfoot one minute and then you'll be listening to Twisted Sister next. I mean, it's that's that's essentially his playlist. But instead of of those those bands, it's probably Debussy followed by um, Ariana Grande. I mean, it's his his playlists are probably just crazy nuts, but. All good, man. Whatever, whatever works, you know, yeah. look, the longevity of, of Weezer, they've been doing this for what? 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. Darn near. Yeah. Kudos. Yeah. Kudos to them. All right. Let's figure out what our top five is. Um, I already gave you the spoiler alert. El Scorcho is number one. Any guesses? Number two. Good life. 
Good time. Yeah, the good, good life. life. Uh, followed by Pink Triangle with an average score of 7.5. We've got uh, Why Bother? That was our fourth with an average score of 6.5. And that just nudged Tired of Sex. So that was our our fifth. That's a pretty solid five, though. Yeah. That is. Yeah. That's a damn good EP on Spotify. <laughs> Just saying. Um, doesn't include Butterfly. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just wanted to, you know what, Dave, if you weren't, if you weren't on this podcast, I would not be throwing shade at butterfly, but because you're on it, that's why I'm doing it. I smelled that one coming a mile away. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Uh, any last thoughts? Dudes, I just want to say thanks. I've been, uh, you know, when Scott did the podcast, I, I started listening. I think I listened to, one or two before that just kind of randomly figure uh found the pod- podcast but really enjoy it um you guys are characters uh thanks for doing this it's really uh really nice to listen to people talk about records absolutely we're gonna keep doing it too so appreciate you coming on um so last question since you've heard a couple episodes we always ask our our guests so who do you know that i don't know that should come on our podcast to talk about one of their favorite records. Oh man. I didn't think about this at all. I mean, we kind of talked about this beforehand. Uh, <laughs> and you can't say Scott cause you know, he's, he's been on three times, three times. So we did a John Prine appreciation episode oh, wow, and okay. I had him and, and Anthony D'Amato, uh, oh, nice. come, come on for, for uh, a segment. Yeah, man, I think you should have Will Hodge come on the show. <laughs> uh, Track him down, I, man. I love that Hodge guy. He's great. Uh, I know where he lives. Let's go to his house. Bring some microphones. He's got a SM7 with a cloud lifter or something. He can make this happen. Let's do it. Let's all get vaccinated and we'll show up at his house. Absolutely. That sounds like a I good like idea. It. All right. Yeah, it's, it's the running joke now. If If people have listened enough to enough episodes. They know that, um, Wayne and I are both big will fans and, um, yeah, we, we, we love him and we hope that he will, uh, eventually come on the show. All right. So, so Dean, tell, tell people where they can find all the happenings of, uh, red wanting blue and tick, 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 uh, www.internet.com. <laughs> Just, you know, I mean, if you can't find this stuff, you just get rid of the internet subscription. Yeah. Is, is it even a subscription? I don't know. It's a tick, 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 doc, something. Instagram. You can find it all in there. All right. All right. So that was terrible. That, that was great. Um, all right. So as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes by also going to the internet. However, you can go to recordsrevisitpodcast.com, find all our happenings on our socials, Facebook page, Records Revisit Podcast, or on Twitter at Podcast Records. And, uh, you know, Wayne is also on the Instagram page. Just search for Records Revisited Podcast. And um, here we go. You guys ready to do the uh, outro part with me? You bet.
So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. I would tell you to go to a live show, but you know the drill on that right now. So support your favorite artists whenever they're doing their live streams. I hear um, Red Wanting Blue might be doing one. That's correct. Fantastic. I will be there. Buy a t-shirt of the band. Buy a record. You can go visit a record store. Just do it safely. Okay? Wear a mask. We are Records Revisited, and we are... Ow. Ow. <laughs>